Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 170. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I am feeling really good today. It's a nice Sunday and I love this weather. I know we always talk about the weather, but, you know, we're in November now. What are your Thanksgiving plans, guys? We'll start with you, Jen. What is your Thanksgiving plan for this year? Well, um, I'm kind of going to do like a Friendsgiving thing. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, From what I know, like some of the people who I've like become friends with they're going to be going back home but a few of them like are just like oh i don't know what i'm gonna do so i'm gonna see if i can wrangle uh some people to like come over uh and we can have like a small like friendsgiving thing going on so that's those are my plans nothing too big oh that's wonderful i love it is it like a potluck everybody gonna bring someone something uh i'm gonna give them that option yes um uh but I don't have a lot of faith in other college students being yes, able to don't cook. don't have faith. I know, I can cook. One time, yeah. I actually committed <laughs> to taking roles and then decided last minute to go home, because I was in college, to go home for Thanksgiving. And I don't know if I just didn't tell them, I just didn't show up or whatever. And to this day, my friend... <laughs> My friend chastises me because she had Thanksgiving with no rolls that year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, no rolls. Oh, my God. That's funny, though. That is super funny. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, what are you doing, Kristen? (laughs) I hope you're bringing the rolls. (laughs) Well, for actual Thanksgiving, we are not going anywhere. We are just going to stay home. And I have um, already made a list of my favorites that I want to make for the day. It's just going to be Eddie and I, and then we are going to binge watch season three of Love is Blind. So... (laughs) (laughs) we have our plans every time i turn on uh i don't remember if it's netflix or hulu but every time i turn it on and it's there and it mocks me because it wants me to watch it so bad i'm like no i have to be so strong because we gotta save it for thanksgiving (laughs) (laughs) but we're not going anywhere because we own a retail store and we are having a black friday um pre-Christmas holiday shopping sale that whole entire weekend. So um, we are just going to enjoy our one day and then be at the shop for the rest of the time. Oh, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, I totally forgot a Black Friday. Yeah, um, well, that's not on my radar actually, at all. Tar- Target has said that they will no longer stay open on that or be open on that day. So just so you know, do your shopping before uh, at Target before that day or do it online because they're not going to be open. You know what's crazy? I haven't stepped into Target in, I think, over four years. What? I know. Like, I always used to get in trouble whenever I would go to Target. I would always go to the end of those, uh, the, the aisles where they had the, the sale sales, items and yeah. price. Yeah. And I would always come home with like candles and random <laughs> cups and shit like that. 
And then in, in when I would check out, it'd be like a hundred bucks yeah. and stuff. And I was like, you know what? This is freaking dangerous. I'm never coming here again. And, and yeah, I've done it. I have not gone back there. Wow. I haven't yeah. been as much yeah. this last year or the last couple of years, but I do the same. I go for like laundry detergent or ivory soap and I come out with $200 in my basket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I love Costco, but I've also limited to, to like the only the needs like detergent um like butter you know stuff that you know it's gonna last a long time but yeah. you know i don't have to um but yeah anyway uh yeah i don't i don't do target but um but damn i did see that third season of love is blind yep <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i can't wait to talk to you about it oh, but yes you did I, watch the whole thing already okay yes i did i did i just finished it um a week ago i just finished it a week okay. ago yeah uh yeah the very last where they do the reunion yes, you know yes. where they all talk oh there's a lot of little shit talk i love it i know that's, so cool. the, that's the favorite one wait season one or season two season three. Oh, season three i still need to watch it yeah, season three is out. And oh. I noticed it was out when there were only two episodes left that had not been uploaded yet. So I was like, oh, okay. Oh. It's not even over yet. So I'm like, let's. Ho-. And he's, Eddie right away was like, let's watch it. Let's watch it. I'm like, no, I have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, all the, the, the juice and the cheese may, oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, Incredible. It, it's always fun, you know, to, to watch other people struggle with these weird like love is blind falling in love without seeing each other yeah. sight unseen it's just ridiculous but just so, so juicy like <laughs> yeah i think the first season for that show was like a really like interesting and solid idea and it was like maybe not all the people were like traditional like hollywood like beautiful but yeah. they were also like pretty like attractive mm-hmm. um uh but then as the seasons went on, everybody got, like, even more, like, I don't know. It became less of that actual, like, experiment feel that they were going on in the first season. And so I was just like, ah, it's not that interesting. But the drama that comes from it, I'm just like, I'm interested <laughs> in that. I want that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely the drama. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, Thanksgiving, I actually ordered just a turkey, some ham, and just and something else. I can't remember uh, from Lucille's mm-hmm. and I'm going to make the mashed potatoes. I'm going to get the, um, mac and cheese from Costco. The one that's already done. You just stick in the, in the oven like from Stouffer's. No, th- they actually oh, mix they it up. Have in Costco. One. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm going to use that and then I'm going to make my own salad. I mean, how hard it could it be? Just like <laughs> rip some lettuce and then pour some dressing. There you go. <laughs> it just felt, it just felt like they charged too much at Lucille's oh, and I'm yeah. just like, no, you know, like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna order the turkey yeah. and the ham and that's it. And then just do the, the rest of the stuff ourselves. So, um, we're just having a little bit, a little get together, just kind of hang out here at the house. Only thing that's stressing me out is like, I don't have, a big enough table and of uh, course i don't have any chairs yeah. so like i'm like i'm gonna have to rent some beforehand but i did ask for wednesday off so i could pick up all these things yeah so that i don't have to go anywhere on thursday and yeah. just cook and clean and set up so uh well speaking of mac and cheese i actually am um, i watched this person on tiktok um deanna bomb chica <laughs> she is the <laughs> funniest person but she cooks she cooks and she sings, but she did a mac and cheese recipe uh, recently on there that I'm going to actually um, uh, 
try to emulate for Thanksgiving. So uh, she got the recipe from uh, a TV show on Netflix called High on the Hog, which actually highlight. I don't know if did I talk to this about this with you guys. Yeah, you talked yeah, about yeah, it yeah. last. Yeah, yeah so. last. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, episode. Yeah. So then you guys already know I'm gonna have mac and cheese. <laughs> nice nice so yeah that's all we're doing um the only thing i have right now are like the discardable dishes that are like you know thanksgiving themed oh so i got that i got that down i don't have any uh, at all and i'm like dang it's already coming up (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah you know it's it seemed far away because you know it's sort of the end of the month but like before you know it it's right around the corner and i just hate Mm -hmm. that whole panicky feeling about it yeah so, you know, I think it's going to go well. I, I can't wait to have leftover turkey sandwiches That's is what thing. I'm really looking yep. forward to. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. All right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. And we have some sad chisme this week. Kristen, take it away. Yes. So I feel like we should be playing like a very, very sad um funeral dirge in the background <laughs> because um kevin conroy uh the voice of batman the voice uh the the actor voice actor who voiced uh batman for o- almost or over th- 30 years um passed away he was only 66 years old and now that i'm getting older i feel like that's just around the corner <laughs> yeah, you know i felt the same thing i so did yeah i was like I just felt like he was young. young, But he did have intestinal cancer. So um, obviously he, um, he was fighting that and it, it got the best of him. But over those 30 years, he voiced 60 different productions, including 15 films, 15 animated series that spanned 400 episodes and 24 video games. That's amazing. Like, I had no idea. That's like such an amazing feat for uh, mm. one character, one, some one voice character to actually be able to carry that uh, over so many different mediums. Um, so, and I always love when it's the same voice. I watched yeah. a little. Oh, me too. I, I watched a little snippet of him on um, Scooby Doo, and Velma obviously wasn't the same Velma, and her voice was weird. And I was like, no, that's not right. But freaking the person they had voicing Shaggy sounded just like the original Shaggy. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I don't know how they're going to, uh, or if they're even going to try to get someone to fill Kevin's shoes who sounds similar to him, but um, he definitely leaves a huge legacy behind. His, like, he's Batman, like, dead ass. Like, if mm-hmm. in any animation, even like in common, though, like the inner dialogue that I hear, it's not Christian Bale, it's not, um, yeah. uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Michael Keaton or anything, it's Kevin Conroy. And in anything yeah. else, in video games and stuff like that, even in other animated series, the people who voice Batman, they don't try to go for, like, Christian Bale. They try to emulate how Kevin Conroy sounds like. Because, mm-hmm. he, like, even in, even in some of them, it's just, like, a, mannerisms and everything. They, if it's not Kevin Conroy, it's someone doing their damn best to sound like Kevin Conroy. Um, um, so it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's really, really sad. And I think it should be said, like, he was also like, he was a queer man 
who yeah. is like he who is Batman is just like it's so incredible just how much like he's such an icon and I'm really really sad that he's passed away. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I wonder, I mean, I don't know where his estate went, but I wonder if, you know, like how James Earl Jones retired his, um, mm-hmm. he, he retired from acting, including mm-hmm. using his voice, but he has the rights over his voice. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's something that the estate of Kevin Conroy can tap into just because like we as fans wouldn't mind hearing, you know, Kevin Conroy as Batman for the rest of our lives. I mean, you know, he freaking changed my whole perspective about Batman as a character with Batman, the animated series and the amount of range and emotion in his voice. I mean, gosh, I could pinpoint a lot of wonderful aspects of the animated series when especially there was one time where Hardak had created a, a Batman um, um, android or, you know, robot and he thought he was batman and then when in a, in the scene he ki- he killed someone or he thought he the the batman android thought he killed someone and the voice that emotion that you felt as him realizing he's the one who killed someone it was just freaking revolutionary i mean that that kind of voice acting was just amazing and then the different levels of emotion when he did a mask of the phantasm oh my god i mean kevin conroy is our batman 100 percent. i'm just like wow like uh i feel a little bit sad because he just he just really brought that character to life and like you said jen like when you read you hear kevin conroy's voice mm-hmm. as batman so um rest in peace uh mr conroy you i mean i would say you made my childhood happy but i wasn't a child i was already i was already grown up but but i'm sure you did that for a lot of kids out there and we just loved what you did with the character and we're just so sad that he has left us all right guys now it's time for on my radar Kristen, what is on your radar okay so um, I read this really great book this week uh, called Traveling to Mars, and it is a book that was um, written by, let's see, Mark Russell. Um, and I was like, why does this name sound so familiar? Um, and it's because he wrote this book called Not All Robots. And I think I might have spoke, talked about Not All Robots on here also on my radar. Um, but that book was so like well written. It was basically about how um, kind of like the Wally uh, storyline where robots had all taken over, but and were doing all the work, but they kind of got um, a little sentient and fed up with the way that humans were treating them, and uh, and so they kind of started to revolt. Um, but it was such it was so written so well and comedic, um, and so when I was reading this one, which uh, uh, just came out last week, and it is by a small publishing company called Ablaze. But when I saw Mark Russell's name on it, and then I realized who it was, I was like, oh, wow, no wonder I liked it so much. But this story, Traveling to Mars, basically um, 
introduces us to the protagonist who is kind of a an anti-hero. He is a pet store manager of all things. His name is Roy Livingston and he has been picked to be the first human ever to set foot on Mars. So why did they just pick some random dude who used to work at a pet store? Well, he was chosen basically for one simple reason. And that reason was because um, the um, the people who were funding this, um, this mission to Mars could figure out how to get someone there, but getting them back was a problem. So unfortunately, Roy has terminal cancer. So there Whoa. is um, really no, uh, no reason for him to have to come back because he probably won't even survive um, the amount of time that he um, has up there to do the job that he has been um, has been put upon him. So he is only going to Mars with two artificial intelligent robots, um, Leopold and Albert. Uh, and um, basically they kind of look up to Roy as like their God kind of. And oh, wow. And what the storyline also, why are we sending someone to Mars? Because as um, as was kind of foretold at some point, us humans done effed up Earth. And we need to, <laughs> we need to find somewhere else to stay. Um, and so he is going there um, to kind of do the research that's needed to kind of um, see if we can go and um, then F up another uh, planet as well. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> As, as we do, you know, as um, one does. The, the, the story was so well written. Basically, we're introduced to Roy through his journaling. And he's journaling about um, how he was chosen and um, why he decided to go, which was interesting because um, they are paying his family $10 million. But we don't get introduced to his family. All we know, um, we don't know much about him. But uh, all we know is kind of like that he he describes himself as like every like bad stereotype in high school that you could think of. Um, that's like him. Like he just is not a likable guy um, per his own admission. So I think we're going to learn a lot about his past history and his story and who he is as a person. But in his journaling, he's really doing a lot of introspection. And I think there's going to be a lot of story evolving from just a person who is dying and has kind of made this huge life decision. And at the last minute at the, at the, um, end of issue one, uh, kind of almost, isn't ready and and looks like he changed he changed his mind. So that was also another kind of big plot twist and turning point that made me really excited and interested to read uh, to continue reading this series. But um, it is traveling to Mars. Mark Russell and the artist is Roberto Melli, who is an Italian artist. Um, but the first issue was just really, really good. So I highly recommend it. Um, and I don't know how many issues it's going to be, but this first, um, issue came out, uh, on November 9th. And so, uh, you should be seeing a new, uh, number two coming out in early December. 
Oh, that sounds kind of awesome. It sounds sort of like um, he was not a likable guy. He didn't do any extraordinary things. And then he gets cancer. And yeah. now he's he's going to go embark into this new adventure, but he's even not sure about doing that. Mm-hmm. And I really like the whole journaling aspect of this uh, comic book. So that sounds really, really interesting. Yeah. Well, I have some uh, on my radar stuff, and this one comes from Gerardo Lopez, our wonderful, amazing uh, one person who listens to our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Thanks, G. This is for you. <laughs> Thank you so much for interacting with us. He's always coming uh, with some information on some good um, good stuff for on my radar. And today he shared with us uh, La Flor Mas Bella. It's a release. It has a release date of December seventh. It's an up and coming Spanish language netflix series la flor mas bella the most beautiful flower the actress is esmeralda soto who stars as michelle a fabulous and undeniably true to herself teenager who is trying to survive high school and all its social expectations family traditions and dramatic love stories uh mitch's mission is to become popular while she has all the confidence to do it others in the school aren't interested in getting to know her oh man that sucks Uh, they apparently can't see past her curvy body type and dark skin tone Mitch is also discovering her own sexuality. Is she bisexual? Is she pansexual? So she's discovering that as the series uh, progresses. La Flor Más Bella was inspired by comedian Michelle Rodriguez's experiences during her teenage years. And she's not to be confused with the Fast and the Furious Michelle Rodriguez. She's a totally different Michelle Rodriguez. (laughs) So um, I saw the trailer and it looks spectacular. Oh, my God. Oh, cool. I just think it. Yeah, I can't wait. It's so it's it looks so funny, and I think I bring this up, um, and I'm glad that Gerardo brought it up to us, um, because he's also the one who um, let us know about that series on HBO, uh, Gordita. No, Gordita Chronicles. Yeah. Oh. I don't, uh-huh. Yeah, and so and so, and I'm saying this now because they canceled after season one, and uh-huh. um, I really want us to. to share with our listeners our one listener um, <laughs> that there's a lot of latino uh, driven um series out there that need our support you know and if we want more content to have people like us on the screen on the little screen on the big screen we should go out there and support these um series and or just give them a chance you know like i totally love gordita chronicles love the f- the heck out of it and then they canceled it after the first season and that made me really sad because i thought it was just really amazing and now this one i'm really excited about as well and just the trailer alone my god i just could not stop laughing at some of the stuff so thanks for bringing that up it is now on our radar as well Oh my God, what time is it? I'm so excited. It's always, I always get super excited. <laughs> my favorite time. What time is it, girls? Es la hora de la, 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 la cervecita. We are having Border so, X Brewing again. Yes. What are we having? Oh, well, today, yes, we are having. And I saw your little TikTok about you going and getting all the beers from Border X. 
<laughs> yeah, it was it was so cute and you with your your comadres comics bag and you're putting them in <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah i was like we're gonna we're gonna show the world <laughs> so we are drinking a beer called esperanza it's border x brewing german style pilsner and it is a subtle breadiness that supports a delicate, noble hop aroma. It's so dark in here, I can barely read what this is saying because it's dark. Oh, the aroma that gives way to a light, crisp finish. So, um, this is a Pilsner. This is no beer that Sarah would ever buy for herself. So, yep. thank you, Sarah, for buying it for us <laughs> <laughs> to try. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, last week you did a lager. This week we're doing a Pilsner. It is a new dawn at Comasi Comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I know that their slogan is um, Latino or Mexican style brews um, that they like to put their spin on. Uh, but they have a lot of these Pilsners and lagers and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think we could expect to see more of that from this brewery, mm -hmm. uh, but they do have these other things. Like, I think they have one, a cajeta rimmed stout. Oh, that one was really awesome. But that one I only had on tap. They didn't have it in cans. Um, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to taste a this. What one rim stout? Ca cajeta? What's ca a cajeta? It's sort of, it's okay. It so cajeta, help me. A, no, no, cajeta is sort of like that. Uh, uh, it's sort of like caramel, I guess, but it's in Mexico. Um, okay. And, okay. Yeah. So, hmm. Let's see. Cajeta. And did they actually rim your glass with it? Yes. Oh. And I added some sugar on it. I, I have some pictures that I'll share about that. But yes. Um, that and that good. was, just, yeah, it was actually, um, I'm not really a big sweet person, but I think it really accentuated the taste of the stout. So I really mm -hmm. enjoyed that. On, and that was on tap. That was on a oh, tulip okay. glass. It was really fancy. I felt fancy. <laughs> um, and, it's, and it looked like a cocktail with the rim and stuff. But yeah, yeah, that's why we're, that's why we're trying a Pilsner because this is what they had in four packs in the, uh, refrigerator aisle to take home so let's oh, give it a try let's give it a try <laughs> oh my god not bad not bad it's really fresh it's really fresh and um it's not i don't think there's anything like over the top about this at all i think it's a really like clean really clean taste really refreshing mm. um and then there's there's uh, some flavor there but it's not it's really really subtle like super subtle but it just get the sensation of really super refreshing so for those of you new to uh beer drinking maybe a german style pilsner is a light-bodied and highly attenuated lager brewed from barley malt Pilsners are known for their signature golden color, bitter taste, and excellent head retention uh, and floral hop aroma. And 100%, the the head on my beer when I when I poured it was really really uh, thick. So um, I really I like this a lot. I'm really trying to stay away from IPAs right now because they just sit so heavy in my oh. stomach, and my pants is big enough as it is. 
<laughs> well, I just had a a lot of food. Like Frank cooked this stuff that looks like mush. It looks like mush, but it was delicious as fuck. And so I looked at it and I was like, I'm just gonna have a little. And I I go with my little platito, like a little tiny plate, like a dessert plate, and I put in a little bit. I of course then taste it, and it's so delicious. I had to transfer my food to the bigger plate. <laughs> And when I served myself three times, so I was a little hesitant to actually drink an IPA, but Ah, this is absolutely perfect Mm -hmm. for the amount of food that I ingested before the podcast. And you know, I like drinking my beer with food. This -hmm. would be great with something right now to eat and wash it down with sometimes ipas just make the food feel heavier in my stomach oh, yes mm-hmm. um but yeah this this is really good uh it this really is a pilsner is. that i would continue to get um especially summertime uh nice and cold and oh you know what i love i love when the glass comes out of the freezer so cold oh, that when yes. you pour your beer in it there's a little frosty like icy layer that forms on the top oh i love that Oh, yeah. Yeah, my dad would keep a glass in the freezer for when he got back home from work and would just pour one beer into it. And it was just like, it looked just so delicious. But I am really impressed. Like I said, I'm not a lager person. And oh, my God, this one is giving me like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what happened last week that now I'm just like, mm, lagers. <laughs> what? I'm and you know what? Now that I drink this one, I can't wait to taste the pepino one. I saw that one in there when I went to get this one. It's sour, though. So I'm a little yep. hesitant. But yes, I saw that in there. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So anyway, I feel like, I mean, there is kind of a floral kind of, but it's really subtle, just, just a tiny hint and, but definitely super refreshing, super refreshing. What do you think, Jen? Well, when you, it could be because I'm, I was just drinking tea beforehand on this. So my mouth is very warm and it's also, I tend to put like sweet cream in my tea because I like sugar. Um, um, so when I drank it, that's immediately what I noticed for, first was that floral oh, scent that you guys had. Um, uh, yeah, so that could be because like I like had tea and the tea that I was drinking itself also has um, uh, some floral notes in it. So it was already in my mouth. So when I drank it, I was like very surprised. I was just like, oh, this is pretty good. And I'm like, I'm keep sipping it. Uh, and it's mostly what comes across. It's not too bitter. It's really funny when you said that it has, they're usually German pilsners are known for their bitterness because I'm not really tasting, uh, or it's not bitterness. It's just, if you've ever, it's like the, the smell of a flower, you know how like actual flowers, they smell kind of like earthy and kind of like, um, uh, like they, they have like a specific scent. It's like that scent was taken down and put it into this beer. And it's not bad, but it's definitely like a, if you're sensitive to bitterness or if you kind of don't like that, like tannity taste, then you probably won't like it. (laughs) I don't know. I think they really nailed this one. I think I really, I really enjoy it. I just, I, who who am I? Uh, Who am I? Who is Sarah (laughs) drinking these lagers? (laughs) Like seriously, I I am beside myself. I don't know what to say. It, they're just making a really delicious lager. Is what I'm saying. 
it's a 5.0 ABV, so um, you are still getting your uh, your bang for your buck. Um, because I know, let me just tell you what I think about IPA drinkers. And no shade, because I'm the same. This is what turned me on to IPAs. If I'm going to pay 7 to $9 for 16 ounces of beer, I want the highest um, expectancy and, and probability of getting a buzz. And so that's why I started ordering IPA. <laughs> oh, you know what? Me too. Incredible. That, like, this was me a couple of years ago when I would go to a brewery. That's the very first one I would drink because yeah. I want bang for my buck. Yeah, exactly. 12%? 12%? Hell yes. Give me a glass. Yeah. Are, you sh- are you sure? I mean, it's 12%. I said, I know what I'm ordering. Give me the beer. Like, <laughs> like I know my shit, dude. Don't yeah. know. No, I know I'm a little uh, short, chubby Latina, but I know beer. Okay, give me what I want. <laughs> but um, so my point is, is that uh, a 5.0 is definitely something that um, you are still going to get your money's worth. I mean, a, a good IPA is probably between six and seven. If you're going eight and nine, then you're drinking doubles and triples. But just a basic IPA is like around six or seven. So this at a five is actually very, very uh, nice ABV for your money. And also just the 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 lightness uh, the not heavy feeling I got. And the flavor is just really good. Like when you think Pilsner, when you say Pilsner, a hundred percent automatically, I just, um, am basically putting it next to in my mind, uh, Modelo's Corona's like all those crappy beers. And so if, if this can even just be a little bit better than that, uh, if any Pilsner can be a little bit better than that, then it's good. But this is way better than that. Like Pilsners and uh, Pilsners are below the lager, and Pilsner, for the most part, for beer <laughs> drinkers, are just thought of as peepee water beer. Like you know, like just like <laughs> like no flavor or like literally peepee flavor. And and so when you get a Pilsner that has a good flavor to it then don't ever let that go and this definitely is one of those oh yeah this should this definitely should be on the regular rotation because this is that good it really is significant Mm -hmm. it's um i would even dare to say that it could be like one of these like um the beer that represents this brewery because it's mm-hmm. really that surprisingly good so you know we- that how latinos like their bud light <laughs> i mean yeah. come on i mean how much should they pay uh in the fast and the furious for them to only drink corona seriously like i'm like no dude <laughs> like, how, like how can you flex these driving skills and be drinking corona i don't know man i don't know if i believe you toretto <laughs> but, but if you're if you come at me with the this pilsner this esperanza from border x uh brewing i would be like yes you know your stuff this is some quality shit it should be on their regular rotation um it should be like the one that people remember when they talk about this brewery because it's really that good to me like i'm really shocked i well, am just really like shocked. its name it's giving us hope for pilsners Yes. <laughs> Bravo. Okay, um, so just to remind people of our rating scale, um, we have a five-point rating scale where one is 
very unsatisfied. A two is unsatisfied. Three is neutral. A four out of five is satisfied. And a five out of five is very satisfied. And of course, if we go off the charts bad, then it is a, um, what is it? What is it when you a, can't get a flaccid, it there flaccid. You go, flaccid. <laughs> and then if it's a six out of five, it is super saiyan. So, um, what, uh, what do you, would you rate this beard, Sarah? I'm going to go with a very satisfied, not only am I, my taste buds are just in high alert right now, but I am beyond shocked that a Pilsner can give me that much satisfaction. So I'm very satisfied. Nice. How about you, Sarah? Uh, Sarah, how about you, Jen? <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this a four out of five. I really like it. Um, uh, it's very drinkable. Yes. So this is Kristen, and I am also going to give it a five out of five. I'm very satisfied with it also. Like, usually I do not finish the beers that we open when we do our um, our beer review. Even if I like it and I rate it, I don't really um, finish them because I'm, I'm like, oh, no, I don't – my tummy feel – makes my tummy feel full or oh yeah it was good but it was too rich or whatever but this is like i'm i'm already almost done with it so uh five out of five for me for esperanza from border eggs brewing awesome guys that was our beer review all right guys what are we reviewing today what book are we reviewing today Today, we are reviewing the trade paperback, which contains the first four issues of the series Primos. And I think that uh, we read, did we read the first issue before together? Or did I just share it on, on my radar? No, um, you just shared it on your radar on our TikTok. And oh, then okay. there was, um, you were passing some out for free comic book day, I believe. Um, they had the first issue out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. So this is volume one written by uh, El Madrigal. Um, Carlo Barberi and Brian Reber are the uh, artists and colorist. The letterer is... Uh, I guess, um, and World Design, the company w uh, lettered it. And then Dave Johnson is the cover artist. So this book basically, um, whoa, gives us a little blurb on the back that says, centuries ago, two Maya brothers constructed a spacecraft that sent them hurtling into outer space, returned to Earth only to find their culture and civilization destroyed. One of the brothers vows revenge and seeks to decimate the planet with intergalactic technology gathered on his travels. To prevent this, his sibling creates a contingency plan that activates the world's protectors, descendants of their own family, now, the fate of the planet lies in the hands of three cousins scattered throughout Central and North America who have never even met. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, um, this is a uh, small publishing company, um, Upshot and AWA, which is, um, I can't remember what, uh, AWA Studios. AWA used to... I can't remember what that stands for. 
Sorry, but you can go to awa.net, uh, uh, awastudios.net to find out more information. But um, AWA Upshot, um, small publishing company, and um, so small that, geez, this came out already a while ago, and we haven't even seen uh, hiding our hair of the second story arc. <laughs> <laughs> so this came out, this trade paperback came out July of this year. So usually what happens is a trade will come out and then like the month after the trade, the next story arc will begin, but we haven't seen anything. So I'm not sure where it's going, but, um, I definitely, when I first read, when I first read the first issue, I was very intrigued by it. I really enjoyed it. It was very entertaining to me. Uh, and I, um, was interested in reading more, but then I never actually did until this train came out. And after now reading the whole thing, like it was like such a wild ride, but I have to tell you the best part of it was, uh, the narrator, the little kid, oh, yes. I don't remember what his name was, his, but- <laughs> his name is Ricky Pascal. Okay, he just, he makes me laugh. (laughs) And I could hear, because I've worked with teens so much, I could actually hear him talking the way he was talking and saying what he was saying. Like, a lot of the words are bleeped out, and he's using a lot of, like, slang and stuff. And it's just, it was, it was so, like, true to life to me from working with teens. Um, And I just really enjoyed it. And he always brought me back to the storyline just with his like little explanation and stuff and kind of like every once in a while would throw in kind of like a little joke or something and it just I really enjoyed it a lot like that's kind of really my thing when I'm reading comics like I like fun narration Mm -hmm. and storytelling so Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ricky really does it. I was like, damn, Ricky has a potty mouth on him. But um, <laughs> we know we know he comes from Boyle Heights. Um, so yes. and so um, and he isn't he's like every other kid, like, you know, uh, playing Call of Duty, Mary, ex- like stealing beer from his neighbor, you know, just like not really working up for, to his potential, kind of just sliding by life kind of thing. Yeah, and he's presented with this like amazing gift, and he is—he's like you know, my first instinct is to run, but I can't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so—it's just so refreshing. I thought it was—he was a lot of fun to read, especially him doing the narration for absolutely everything. At first, it kind of mm-hmm. took me out of it because you know he's telling the story about his descendants, the brothers. Um, it uh the brothers the maya mayan brothers uh i forgot his name was khan and janab um and so you see them and they look really like royalty with their like you know cloak and the you know feathers and you know like the whole ensemble and he's like narrating it like he's you know from boyle heights so i was like what is going on (laughs) but then i kind of reread the first two pages like when we were you know talking about the um, the old brother, the old brothers that went off in the spaceship. And then I'm like, okay, it makes sense. Like I had to just remind myself that it was Ricky who was narrating this. So the brothers, Khan and Janab, they get into a big, huge fight because they actually, the coordinates were messed up and they got back to earth in the year 2022. 
when of course you know we are how we are like there's tourists at the at the, <laughs> at the pyramid we are how we are <laughs> temple, there's tourists at the temples and you know most of his descendants are have, are in cages you know making a reference to the kids that are in cages yeah. at, the, at the border so even though they're telling this like kind of like supernatural story they're also t telling you a little bit about our culture and how things are right now mm -hmm. like making references to that and and also what i really appreciate about this was there's a lot of references to geek culture like mentioning call of duty mentioning like harry potter uh yeah. even <laughs> even, uh, even um there's another twin brother that is presented in the story he goes harry patas because he's making fun of him and that's actually kind of on brand because we sometimes say, I, you know, see tu y tus patas, you know, like actually like, say, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're just like the, the, uh, what's the knockoff of the real thing. It's really, really funny. Um, what I thought was really interesting is when we are introduced to the aliens that actually helped the Mayans create the uh, pyramids, uh, they referred to them as gods. And that kind of was really interesting how, like, they were saying that the aliens were gods and there's, they actually put these, the Aztec, I, I was going to say Aztec, but it's Mayan people and other um, planets across the universe. Um, and then they've all kind of evolved on their own and they're all coming together to try to save the universe by unity and enlightenment um but i'm i'm wondering what happens to that because when we come back they're we're already in present day and the brothers are waging war against each other uh and and khan is um trying to destroy the world and and, and basically um uh, so um i think a lot of the meat of the story is how um how Ricky has, has to go and find his cousins, Gina, who he describes as a Latina or Mexican Gal Gadot. And then uh, I believe Carlos is his other cousin who is like the Mexican James Bond. Um, so it was just like really, really cute, but also very cool. Like I love the artwork. I thought the art was really, really amazing. The colors were sensational. The story was really good. Um, I was a little taken aback because they kept saying Mayan and I just for some reason just thought of the Mayans being in Central America and it was the Aztecs in Teotihuacan. Uh, but then my husband told me he's like, that is just the name you got. We're giving them because we there were no borders before. So we don't really know mm -hmm. where each one of was. So he just shut me up basically. It's like, go back to school, Sarah. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> but, there, um, was, there was Mayans in um, um Okay. Okay. So the um, uh, the pyramids were not built by the Aztecas. They were built by somebody older, an older civilization. Um, um that uh, basically became the father civilization for the Maya, for the As and for the Aztecs, and for a bunch of the other smaller like tribes that were there. Um, uh, so um, uh, Teotihuacan was built by uh, possibly what is known as like the Olmecs or some a descendant of the okay. Olmecs and stuff like that. So um, uh, the the pyramid of like the pyramids and stuff like that, those were already there. Those were already old by the time that the Aztecs as we know them, uh, the Mexica, uh, built Tenochtitlan. So Teotihuacan mm -hmm. is different from Tenochtitlan. I found it very interesting how the story 
like Ricky mentions a couple to us as the reader and also to some other people that he keeps trying to explain to his cousins when he meets up with them. <clears throat> He's like, okay, so basically the pyramids were made by aliens. <laughs> and I just, um, I thought that was really funny because uh, that is something that gets uh, said a lot and that, you know, people mention that as like a, a conspiracy theory or whatever. But I, it made me think, I wonder, because they also have kind of said this about the the pyramids in in Egypt, that if the pyramids happened to have been in a land where white people lived, would they have attributed it to an outside force? Or oh. no? Do they do people just think because that brown people aren't smart enough to to do math and science? Mm. Uh, that is a very valid point. I like that. <laughs> I very I very much like that. But you're right. You're absolutely right. And I know they ran with this in this story, which but it's still I think that there's a bigger, broader story behind issue number, volume number one. So I, I, am very eager to see that. And I mean, uh, it's just, I don't know. It was just so imagine, imaginative. And I really like the voice of the narrator and the voices of each character. They all had their own personalities and they all had their, you know, own like backstory as well. We know that with Gina, uh, her, her sister gets kidnapped by the cartel and Kedijo Juarez, I think, um, and then we have Carlos, who um, is basically his um, his wife and daughter were murdered by his twin brother, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was the head of the cartel. The head of, yeah, exactly. So like, it all comes back. And then they actually did not know each other as being cousins, but they are. They're all those. They are all from the same bloodline, and they're the firstborn in their family. So that's why they have been chosen to be these warriors to help uh, the survival of humanity on Earth. So that's really freaking amazing. Um, and also, Kristen, uh, there is a Spanish version of this comic book, uh, this first uh, volume, right? Right away? Yes. That was really mm-hmm. interesting to me. Yeah, so I gave it to you because I know that a lot of times you like to read them both and do a comparison. Uh, and then also if you like the book to share it with uh, Frank. And so I gave, I actually um, purchased three copies of it because um, I also thought that um, we often get asked for Spanish books when we do conventions so that it would be a nice book to be able to put on the on the table for people who ask. Oh, that's wonderful. That is a really great idea. I love that. Um, I did not uh, get a chance to read the first one, um, but I mean, mm-hmm. the Spanish one, but I will definitely do that because you're right. I do do those comparisons in the language. Um, but no, I really love this. This uh, this was just so much fun, just a lot of fun and a totally whirlwind kind of adventure yeah i i yeah. really loved it and i love that kid's personality ricky he he's something else it's really cute uh, do you guys want to share anything else about the comic Well, um, I did want to kind of just mention that there was some backlash when the book first came out, when the first issue came out. There was some backlash from um, a reader that I saw, and uh, if if this one person mentioned it, then there might have been others, but that 
the book pretty much um, focused on like negative stereotypes, cultural stereotypes, and that they just felt like it was um, like lazy writing or whatever. Um, but at the time, I had only read issue number one, and I was like, I don't really see what they're talking about. Now that I read the whole book, I'm like, I I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun, and like you said, Sarah, you do kind of get a little bit of like uh, history um, in there, and um, just it's like this fantastical uh, story that melds in all of this like cultural historical stuff that I just thought was fun and really pulled me in. And and Ricky being part of the story, um, uh, telling the story, really entertained me. So I actually really enjoyed it, um, and. Con- see why someone might say that but i really didn't see um a lot of of basis around it i guess but what do you think jen uh i wanted to say something because i'm I'm glad you brought i'm glad you brought that up because there was only just one tiny thing that i was just a little irked by but it's okay just tiny um so we have Ricky and Lorenzo's mother. Now, Lorenzo is Ricky's younger brother that gets kidnapped by Khan. Um, when Ricky goes to his mother at her work, she is a part of the janitorial service at a hospital. And that's where I had oh, the uh-huh. issue yet. Because I'm like, she could have yeah. been a nurse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would have rather her be a nurse, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, I'm not sure. Maybe, I mean, there was a terrible story behind like what happens to the character of the bomb but um if it had a basis for maybe some kind of like um uh, uh, where you go uh, flashbacks then maybe it'll work but for me i'm like i would have rather her to have been a nurse or even a doctor just kind of a little mm-hmm. sad that she had to be like the janitorial service and the reason i know this is because she's holding a mop and so yeah. i mean the nurse is not going to be holding a mop so, but what about you, Jen? What did you think? Um, so I really, really enjoyed the book. Um, is it a literary piece? It is not. I was so, telling Kristen um, <laughs> before we started recording that it's like someone took like a big piece of cake and gave it to me and I just shoved it in my mouth. Like, is it good for me? No. Objectively, is it good? Not really, but I have, I'm enjoying it. Um, um, so <laughs> I, this is not to like denigrate the book. I think uh, it makes good use of established tropes, not stereotypes, tropes. And I think mm. um, uh, that might, I think the person who uh, critiqued it might have been conflating tropes with stereotypes because sometimes they can cross over uh, as well. But I think the book does rely a bit on tropes, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, There's a specific type of trope that I really like that I think they uh, used really effectively in this. And that's kind of the like lost slash found family thing going on right there, which I really, really like. And of Mm -hmm. course there's like the magic and like the, the like Mayan mythos and stuff like that, uh, the Mayan Azteca mythos. So it's, um, um, it's, I liked it a lot. I can see why some people would have some problems with it. I don't think it's lazy writing. I think it is, uh, honestly, I think it's comic book writing. That's what it is. And sometimes comic book writing just isn't 
it's it's not <laughs> it's not Hemingway. Is what I'm, <laughs> it's not Hemingway. I think if you kind of, I mean, there's certainly some comics that are very Hemingway esque, or that are very like kind of like highbrow a little bit, like ooh, like todo fufu y todo. Um, uh, but this one is it's really good. I think it's really good for what it is. I think it's really fun, uh, and I like the kind of like power fantasy that's going on. Uh, and I, I, like, I, like I told Kristen, is that this feels like something 15-year-old me would have written and absolutely thought it was the best shit ever. And you know what? It is. <laughs> yes. I think, I, think it's, I think it's a lot of fun. And I don't think we should denigrate fun comics. And I think this one was really fun. Um, uh, so I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. I, I love the whole a little uh, nod at the telenovelas because there's that evil twin brother, you know, it's just like <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to mention that earlier is like it it plays out like a telenovela, like at every uh, in every issue, there was some sort of like plot twist and like dramatic, uh, <laughs> dramatic, like turning point. Um, and um when you were saying, Sarah, that there was like nods to um, uh, geek culture, he even refers to his um, his murderous uncle as like Uncle Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He sure did. Yeah. No, I totally enjoyed that. Um, and there's this one specific uh, scene, the one where uh, Gina is like uh, fighting uh, or arguing with a bunch of like... Um, I mean, how, how else can I say redneck people that are trying yeah. to be try to be violent against people. vigilantes? Yes, yes, exactly. And there's this part where, of course, the narration says, um, "Mega was about to clash with Maya," and I was like, "Ooh, that should be a T-shirt. That should be a freaking T-shirt." <laughs> there were some good one-liners in uh in this. I think yeah. like the. Mega and Maya one was funny. <laughs> and actually, that really calls to the writer's background. He was a stand-up comedian. Oh, so, wow. Um, I think that's probably why we enjoy Ricky's um, dialogue so much, because it it is funny. And, and it, all the lines really hit. So if you read the back matter, um, the letter from the creator of Primos, um, he talks about how um, he really, really, really had this dream of being a stand-up comedian, but his hardworking blue-collar father um, basically was against it from the beginning and was like, no, like, why are you going to drive uh, somewhere that costs you more money than the $25 that you're going to even make uh, when you're there. And so, but he didn't let go of his dream and uh, he actually opened for Louis CK at some point and um, just moving up the line of stand-up comedians, he came into um, in, uh, across the path of Axel Alonso, who at the time was editor-in-chief of Marvel. So that was kind of like his his uh, entryway into comics. And um, they kind of bonded over um, some mutual interests, but also over the fact that they both 
understood that there just really wasn't a lot of Latino characters in comics. Um, and so um, they just, uh, he just really wanted to do something about that. And that's when he, um, he came up with the idea of Primos. So I, um, I really, really think that his background in stand-up um, comics comedy there in stand-up comedy helped with the um with the one-liners in the book oh yeah i totally agreed i mean i i you know what i always mean to read it the back matter and then i always forget and then we record and i'm like i should have read that um but thank you for sharing <laughs> that because now i know why he, it was so good so it was so um I, would, I don't want to say quirky it was so just dynamic and so like energetic like that whole like the all the the puns and the jokes and all of that was just really 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 fun really a lot of fun so i think we're ready to actually rate it and i'm gonna go first i'm gonna give it three conchas because i super adored it i loved it i love the art i love the colors i love the one-liners i love the narration and i really hope to read more i really want a second issue to be out a second volume to be out there because i feel like i'm just gonna enjoy it just like this one Definitely. So this is Kristen. And just as a reminder, our rating scale is one to three conchas. Um, and uh, if it is something that um, is over and above that, then we might give it uh, something a little bit more. But on our three concha rating scale, I also give it three conchas. I really um, enjoyed it a lot. And I actually laughed out loud more than a handful of times. And um, again, just just like Sarah said, look forward to continuing to read the story because it really left us at a, a part where we're like, okay, now what's going to happen? There's a lot of little uh, like dangling threads that need to be tied up. So um, I also cannot wait and am hoping that we do get to see more of these characters. How about you, Jen? Um, I'm going to give it two conchas um, um because i really enjoyed it i want to see where it goes and i liked um uh, the artwork but i honestly i had a bit of a problem with how gina was drawn um uh, but mm. this is just also like a comic book thing not that it excuses it or anything but i'm just all like oh they she was just given the classic like sexy comic book woman like pose that doesn't really make sense uh and then at one point she like bites uh -huh. a dude and it like causes something but it's never explained. So I'm just all like, ooh, what's going on here kind of thing. But I do like Gina's character uh, as is. And some of the cover arts, I think, had really, really good, uh, like, um, uh, kind of other depictions. There was one where she was, like, kind of, like, super buff and she had a crop top. I was just like, oh, I like this look. This one, this one's nice. But then again, I'm also, <laughs> you know... Um, uh, so this is not me being like, oh, like I hate the stupid, sexy comic book woman look. No, I actually very much like the sexy comic book woman look if it's done well. So just a note, do better. You can still have your sexy comic book woman, just not in a non-fetishy way. <laughs> I didn't see the part where she bit somebody. Oh, I definitely um, saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she bit one of the dead guys. Yes. Yes. She bit one of the dead guys? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I missed that part. You know, I don't look at the pictures. 
I'm yeah, to do and like she bit one of them. Maybe she, maybe whatever, like that striation that was caused is because the dude was dead, or like maybe I don't know. Like, does she have like poison or something? Like, what's going on? There's a later reveal because all the primos have like powers and stuff like that, and hers right. was a very kind of cool, yeah. curious one uh, that I really like. Yeah, but yeah. um, uh, yeah, I want I want answers, and I also want better drawing. Like it's good. Like the drawing, like the art in this is really good. It's just like, just this like freaking, like the boobs and butt poses that were like specific. No, it's yeah. totally valid because and when you mentioned it, I just started flipping through and I'm like, oh, what is she talking about? And there is a, um, a pretty big splash page where she's flying through the air with her her swords in the air and for no reason whatsoever like part of her midriff is showing like why i don't know like that doesn't really it's not necessary so (laughs) no there was one that made me laugh because she's like going to attack and it's but like her boobs are like right out there like it's like she's like attacking with her boobs and i'm just like what's she gonna do slap the dude in the face with her boobs i mean it could possibly be affected but also the dude is dead i wish i could do that that would be amazing (laughs) yeah does she have rock hard tits that goes down they are bulletproof didn't you know (laughs) yeah Oh my god. But yeah, like that's that's my like biggest grievance. Otherwise than that, like I do like Gina's character. Um uh she definitely fits the kind of like uh the like uh a specific trope, like the kind of like noble like the noble caretaker kind of role. So I and I do like that trope, so um uh, like this is not me shitting on it or anything. I'm just like, bro, I'm tired. And um uh, look if if j scott campbell can change you can change too <laughs> we can all can change <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah i'm trying to find the part where she bit um the guy but i could i couldn't, it's like in the it, beginning. I couldn't find it but yes i remember that i was like well at least she's mm-hmm. using like everything in her arsenal including her mouth <sighs> chomp you know <laughs> like I've only- yeah so uh two conscious i like I, I mean i liked it i like this is like yeah i like it in the way that people like spawn <laughs> yes yes um uh yeah like you know with the biting scene i've always told people like don't fight me because i will bite your fat <laughs> Like that, just the fat. Ju- it's the meatiest part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's gonna. Oh that's like that's like. I think if I were in wrestling, that would be my signature move. Oh, there she goes biting the fat again. <laughs> uh, but that has been our book review. All right, guys, now it's time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So today we have Gordo, the flying teenage saucer. Um, Don't let Sarah bite your back, Gordo. Yeah, (laughs) watch out. So we've actually reviewed the first book, and this is by um, um, Peter Maluni. So we know him. What's up? 
Um, uh, and he just started his Kickstarter for Gordo the Teenage Flying Saucer. And I think this is going to be, I don't think this is like an issue too. I think this is like a full graphic novel. Oh, yes, I believe so. Yeah. <clears throat> or well, it says, no, wait, digital issue two. Never mind. I might be oh, incorrect. Oh, okay. Boo. Yeah. I made it up too. Okay. <laughs> uh, Peter, this is me telling you that if you did like a graphic novel, I think you'd, you, it, it's possible, my guy. It's possible. <laughs> um, uh, but, um, so, Gordo is an all-ages sci-fi comic about a teenage boy with the power of a flying saucer who defends his home from alien threats. So, I'm going to read the synopsis that um, uh, Peter has on here, and it's uh, the story. So, welcome to Gordo the Teenage Flying Saucer, an all-ages sci-fi superhero comic book series chronicling the adventures of Gregorio Gordo Guerrero, a 13-year-old imbued with amazing powers and abilities of a flying saucer. With the help of his friend Cece, a shape-shifting alien warrior, and Otto, an artificial intelligence of extraterrestrial origin, Gordo dons a mask and uses his power to serve as the protector of Stardust, his hometown from terrestrial threats and cosmic chaos. Also the name of a drug. Anyways, that's not relevant. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but he has some amazing goals and some amazing variant covers um, uh, for Gordo. Uh, and Base pledge. Well, you can always pledge without a reward. You just want to show your report, yeah, your support. But um, a base pledge starts at five dollars, where you get the digital issue number two, and then at ten dollars, you get issues one and two. Uh, well, digital copies, so PDF versions probably. And then uh, at the there is another ten dollars where you get the physical copy of issue number two. Um, uh, and then there's one for issue number one, and then uh, at fifteen dollars you get uh, one of the variants, and then it changes from there. At twenty dollars you get issues one and two, the physical copies, uh, as well as the digital copies, and then it keeps uh, going from there. But you can get a copy of the of Gordo at five dollars, and it's a very very cute series. It's very endearing. It's um, uh, what's the other like Alien Boy comic that we read? That was from Concrete. Uh, it's not Astro Boy. I don't know why Astro Boy is in my head. Oh, but uh, what's his uh, uh, Daniel's book? You're oh, Andy Starboy. Andy yeah, it's like a uh, like more. A more like PG version of Andy Starboy, um, or uh, it's got those same themes going on. Like, uh, there's definitely like kind of like protect your hometown. Like speaking of tropes, uh, protect your hometown, become a superhero, uh, kind of thing going on with an alien mentor. So, it's it's really cute. I highly highly recommend that you guys support it he has a goal of five thousand dollars and he's currently at 706 with 14 backers and 27 days to go so there's still plenty of time but please 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 give a uh, <clears throat> show love to peter Malini. i think gordo is a very cute book it's a very good all ages book as well uh that has some really like uh like nice really cool like kind of gross monsters that i think kids really like 
I just wanted to mention that uh, Peter came into our shop for a signing last month uh, in October and brought along his artist, Valeria Ontiveros, and she um, was, they both were so fun to have in the shop. They were very, very, very um, outgoing and just talkative and just loved everything geeky and valeria actually uh did a little um gordo sketch on our bathroom wall uh and so um i just wanted to mention um that valeria is the artist and um the co-creator and co-writer of this book is Miguel Acedo, who we know from Po Noir. Um, That's so, right. Yes, and he also has a self-published horror anthology called Horror House, which also was inspired by the works of Edgar Allan Poe. So I bet you Miguel knew that Edgar Allan Poe was from Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> See how that story came back around. That's amazing. I love it. You probably no, absolutely. I mean, you know, you're writing your stories based on uh, Edgar Allan Poe works. You gotta know that he's from Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. And and also, I'd like to mention that Valeria Anteveros uh, uh, is that how you say her name? Mm-hmm. Uh, she also did uh, promoting the Kickstarter up in the whole month of October. She did a drawing every day of Gordo. Um, the Flying Saucer and Friends, along with other su- comic, book, right. um, yeah. comic book characters. And that was a lot of fun to follow. Mm-hmm. I think the very first one she did for the first day was like Gordo and Batman. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I, w- I mean, it, it was just like a lot of fun to follow. So, like, it's a really dynamic team working on this book. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited for them. So uh, thanks so much, Jen, for bringing that to our attention. I'm so excited for them to reach their goal and fund this project. All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? Well, today I have for you Soul Rad. So apparently Soul Rad is a wavy line in illustration that represents light and or warmth emanating from the sun or other light source. Did you know that that actually had a freaking name? Like, no. <laughs> like I see people, I see it in comics all the time where they have like the little lights around the sun or even like from a stove or whatever that it, it basically is there to give the um, indication that it's hot. Well, anyway, this name, Soul Rad, was taken by a literary, a nonprofit online literary magazine that was founded in 2020, and they're dedicated to the comic arts um, and completely run by a volunteer staff. They publish original content ranging from comics criticism, original comics, essays, interviews, and the promotion of small press events and releases. The site is a platform for new underrepresented and otherwise marginalized creative voices, in addition to commissioning work from well-established cartoonists, critics, journalists, and authors. So they are um, a literary magazine. You can go online to solrad.co and read some of their articles. Um, And also, if you are um, a member of any of those groups that um, uh, are underrepresented or marginalized and you are a creator, a literary creator or comics creator, um, reach out to them and you can have your work showcased on the website. So that's solrad, S-O-L-R-A-D dot C-O. 
All right, guys, now it's time for saludos. And saludos goes out to you, wonderful people, all of you out there that are watching Wakanda forever and not spoiling it for the rest of us. Most of us <laughs> have not watched it and will do so in the next couple of weeks. Not sure when, but thank you guys for watching Wakanda forever, supporting this wonderful movie but saying absolutely nothing about it for all of us out there on social media. So thank you guys. Saludos goes out to you guys. Um, please don't spoil it for us. Uh, thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us girls? You can find us at comadrecomics.com where you will see all of the links to all of our social media, find out more about uh, the hosts, and also just um, everything you ever want to know about the podcast. You also can find us on YouTube where we have a YouTube channel. Just uh, search Comadrecy Comics and we upload our, um, what is our... What is our thing that we do with people? Our interviews. <laughs> yeah. What yes. is it called? It's called las, las pláticas. Oh, where where is my mind? Las pláticas. <laughs> Sorry, we upload las pláticas <laughs> to YouTube, which are interviews with creators, and um, they are very very enlightening, and you learn a lot about their projects and about them personally so las platicas comadas y comics on youtube you can find us on tiktok uh, instagram facebook and twitter so definitely like and subscribe on all of those platforms yes thank you so much for your support thank you for continuing to listen to us uh we really appreciate the feedback that and the interaction with the people out there that are listening to us and following us on social media so i want to really thank you guys for that uh thank you guys it's been since 2016 that we're doing this and we are really appreciative of your support that brings us to the end of this episode we have been your host i'm sarah i'm kristen and i'm jen Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. And that's on period. Network. <laughs>